Or what is it that precedes worship? When the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. But before the hallowed be your name was our Father. So it's a recognition of our adoption as sons and daughters that enables us, that motivates us to then say, hallowed be your name. He's not just God high and mighty in the sky. He's Abba Father. You are not just a subject, not just a created being. You are son and daughter. And so we can, from the bottom of our hearts, with gratitude, say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be the name of Jesus. Lifted up above every other name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And it's our worship, it's the hallowed be thy name that then ushers in the kingdom. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And Lord, I thank you that the kingdom is the manifestation of the king. It's the king's domain. And I thank you that you would be manifest tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. That wherever truth is lacking, truth comes. Wherever there's bondage, I thank you there's freedom. Wherever there's darkness, I thank you that light comes. Wherever there's lack, your abundance comes. And we thank you in advance for all that you're going to do here tonight. We love you, Lord. We give you the floor. We give you our hearts tonight. And have your way, not just in this meeting, but with us and with our hearts. We love you and we adore you. Hallelujah. Why don't you begin to thank him in whatever way you know how to, whether it's clapping, whether it's shouting, whether it's singing, whether it's just thanking him. Father God, we thank you for what you're going to do tonight. We thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing and what you're, what you're going to do in the future. We love you. We adore you. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's give Jesus a round of applause tonight. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, welcome everyone. Welcome to Sunday Church. It's good to be with you and good to see you all. Who's excited for another night in the house of God? You should be. Yeah, good. That's what I like to see. Hey, it's good. I mean, this is what life's about. So, um, yeah, I, I love walking through those doors because I know something's going to happen. Something's going to change. And it's exciting. Thank you, kids. I love that the kids are getting a download from heaven up It's all good. <laughs> okay, so um, <laughs> big breakfast. Um, so we're still finishing up at six.
because upstairs, no? Okay, that's finished. Lock the doors, all right, awesome. But um, awesome, there is an offering bucket up the back on the chair, so if you do felt, uh, if you do feel led to give, uh, feel free to make use of the bucket up the back. Otherwise, I don't think there's anything else for me to say other than to uh, welcome up our mighty Pastor Tony. So can you just make him feel welcome as he comes to share the word? Are we good? I think that was me. A bit too loud. Welcome. I noticed every week this front row is getting less and less. So I promise I won't pick on anyone if it sits up here, all right? <laughs> Everyone doing good? Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Today, um, as the kids leave and go upstairs, it's been a blessing to have these facilities. Amen. And we've got upstairs as well, so they've been pretty kind to us here at the council, and um, we uh, we try and do the right thing here, and um, obviously, you know, um, looking after the place, and obviously food, and that, please, if you've got kids that got food, we don't mind, but just be careful on the carpet, you know, things like that, so, um, but we've been blessed that we are able to um, have upstairs, and, and is, is it still streamed upstairs? Yeah, so if you've got, yeah, good, beautiful, so if you've got prams and you find it hard to keep them quiet, you can go upstairs and, and watch upstairs as well. So we're trying to facilitate for everyone. I know it can get frustrating. Who was here last week when we talked about the desert? If you weren't here, please send me a note as to why you weren't here. And um, I'm joking. When we talked about being in the desert and how Moses went through the desert. and um, But there's one thing that if you, if, I'm not going to go back over it because it's too much and I know we, have, we're not, we don't have to finish early and I know the doors are locked so you can't leave anyway. So um, any place you can go is to the toilet. So. But when, when the burning bush, when, when God spoke to Moses, he got his attention. And it's interesting, I wrote down last week, which I never shared, but I believe when God's about to do something new, he gets your attention. And sometimes when God starts to do a new thing, it's not new to God, it's just new to us. And when God starts to do a new thing in the world, we can either say, this is not God, or we could, it could get our attention. See, Moses was in the desert for a long time, so he got familiar with the desert. And as, as I shared last week, Moses obviously was um, raised by Pharaoh's daughter, and um, so he spent 40 years in the palace, educated, uh, had the best of the best. Uh, he was living in a palace. He was the adopted grandson of Pharaoh, it was the greatest empire in the world at, at those days. And now Pharaoh, uh, and sorry, Moses now, um, you know, was put down in a basket. And I, and I shared last week, and it looks like I'm recapping, which I didn't want to, but uh, the, the, the Nile River was where all the babies were dying. Pharaoh ordered all those babies to die, under the, all male babies under the age of two. And we would look at it that the Nile was a place of death, and it was. Uh, um, Moses' mother hid him for three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she made a basket and sent him down the River Nile. And, she, and the baby ended up in front of Pharaoh's daughter. And M Moses' sister walks down the reef to find out where he ends up. And, and she adopts this child. 
And I said last week that the very Nile that looked like a curse or looked like uh, uh, the Nile was destruction was the very thing that got Moses to his destiny. See, sometimes you might be going through some desert experience and you might be going through some hardship, but sometimes you've got to understand, you know, is it God or is it the devil? Because we're quick to blame the devil for a lot of things that we're doing. I learned a long time ago that the devil made me do it. No, I didn't. I wanted to do it. <laughs> now, do we have a, an enemy? Absolutely. Do we have demonic spirits? Absolutely. You just have to go talk to some people out there. <laughs> They're not normal. That's demon possession. Some of the garbage they're teaching our kids is doctrines of demons from hell itself, okay? But ultimately, when we look at from a place of, from a place of faith and a place of hope that Christ has overcome the world, amen? See, we, there was destruction. You know, we think, oh, this is the end times. Well, it was the end times for them because we're not running around throwing babies in Paramount River at the moment, are they? It's coming. They're doing it in other ways. So that very, very destruction of the Nile ended up being the death to get Moses to his destiny. And then we talk about Moses spent 40 years from the time he was born up to the palace. Then he escaped, went to the desert, spent 40 years in the desert looking after sheep. And I shared last week that sheep are an abomination to the G Egyptians. Just like, uh, you know, in a Jewish culture now, pork is not, is not kosher. Pork is unclean. And the prodigal son story talks about how he was in the father's house and loved by the father, decides to rebel, go party, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and then he ran out of money and ran out of friends. Ended up in a foreign land feeding pigs, the very thing that they're told not to touch. He now has to feed them and serve them, and he got to the point where there was a famine in the land that he desired to eat that pig food. You can't get any lower as a Jew. You can't get rock bottom. And then, obviously, you know the story, he says, I've sinned against my father in heaven, and I've sinned against my father on earth. I'll come back. I'll just be a servant. So, Sheep in, in Egyptian culture was an abomination. And we can look it up in Joseph. Remember when Joseph found his brothers? He says, when Pharaoh talks to you, just tell him you're a keeper of livestock. Don't tell him sheep. Because sheep was an abomination. But Moses would have learned that. So you've got Moses in the palace learning all the Egyptian traits, understanding Egyptian culture, understanding Egyptian gods. You could say it this way. Moses learned the things of the world. But when we come to Christ, God rips out the things of the world, amen? See, God is going to, wants to restore us back to our rightful place. When someone is redeemed, it means it has to go back. You can't redeem something that never existed. Who's got flyby points and you redeem your points? He gives you something that you're owed. But He doesn't give us back just what we have. He doesn't, oh, well, uh, uh, he doesn't just restore something. If you restore a car, my good mate over here restored it, a Mustang. That Mustang, you could probably buy it for $1,000, but if someone took that must, Mustang off him and gave it back to him 100 years ago, look, you know what, we took the Mustang over here, here's $1,000. Well, hang on. That's what it was worth back then. Now it's worth $100,000. Get what I mean? Adam lost the garden. God restored us back to the, not to the garden, restored us back to our rightful place in our identity in Christ, and he gave us the kingdom of God, the whole world. We get back more than we lost, amen? We are too busy trying to be satisfied just to make it. But God wants the, you to understand that he's placed his name above every other name. See, we need to understand, and I said something out to our group the other day about if you don't make a decision of your identity, who you are now, the devil will make it for you. Remember, I love Pastor Celia said, any decision you do not make is a decision. 
Every time you reject the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, you say, look, I'm thinking about it. I'll just sit on the fence. The devil owns the fence. Whatever decision you do not want to make, you've made a decision. Oh, I won't make a decision today. You've already made it. Amen? Uh, do you still love me? Because today we're going to talk about the names of God, and there's so many names, but in our culture today, we name our, you know, we name our kids based on tradition or family, you know, pressure from people that want to, what are you laughing at, Mary? You know, <laughs> we name names based on the nice colors that we use, or our favorite singer, or we name names because I won't name him that name because they've got that name already. And when I grew up, there was, you know, I had cousins with the same name, same surname, was a, wasn't a problem. Now someone has a baby, I can't name him that because the next door neighbor named him that and the lady up the road named him that. So you know, we don't call our kids, you know. But, but names in the Old Testament was a lot deeper and more um, specific about the culture of their day about when they named someone or when God named someone, it meant something a bit deeper. It's interesting when you go back when I talk about the names of God, Moses in the burning bush and says, okay, I want you to free my people. He goes, who are you? What's your name? He goes, I am. I often say if he was in this generation and it happened today and, and I happened to be Moses and I'm walking down the street and it was a burning car. There's not, there's not much bushes or anything. The car's burning, but it's not on fire. And God speaks through the car and, he said, and I said, what's your name? He goes, yep. But who do I tell you who you are? He goes, that's it. But what am I supposed to do? He goes, that's right. Lord, his name is I am. The word in the Hebrew means I am, but I was, but I always will be. In other words, the great I am. Remember when Jesus nearly got stoned by the Jews and they said, I was before Abraham, I am. They wanted to stone him. Because to a Jew, you're claiming to be God. You're claiming to be in the equal with God when he says I am that's why he says the I am in the Hebrew if you look at it it means what's the Bible say he's the beginning and the end we just sang it he goes Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever God is God is he always existed but his names reveal his character now there's so many names because when Jesus said this is how you pray like this our father who aren't in heaven hallowed be your name now the word hallowed who knows what that means exalted i passed the mic around no i went to all the reps because you're going to be wrong so <laughs> i can't believe every week someone puts their hand up to answer reps's question you're wrong i'm joking Hallowed, it's not a language we speak. It's, that's English, old English, but how, you could say it this way, how our Father who aren't in, how honorable, how majestic, how almighty, how revered your name is. See, we think that the Father in the Our Father is like an earthly Father. Our Father who aren't in heaven. Hallowed be your name. How revered your name is. You know the word Father in that? See, Jesus would have, would have taught that prayer. See, in, in our English Bible, this is our Father. In the Greek Bible, they would have said it in the Greek. That was the language of the day. That was what the New Testament was written in, in Greek, in that, in that time and culture. But Jesus would have not prayed in Greek, not in English, not even in, 
in, in Hebrew, in Aramaic. And the word father in Aramaic, if you look at it in the, if you do a, a study, trust me, I haven't done it. But if you do it, <laughs> the word father in that context isn't talking about an earthly father, even though he is. It's, he, he relates to us like a father and a son and a father and a daughter. But the one father in that is not even just creator, it's the one that birthed everything into existence. So what God was saying, our Father, our Abanah, the one that births everything into existence. See, this building here, I wasn't here when they built it. But the evidence is there was a builder. You with me? People say to me all the time, how do you know, there was a, how do you know God created everything? Well, the evidence, I wasn't there. But the evidence is that if there's a building, there must be a builder. If there's a piece of work of art, there must be an artist. It didn't come out of nothing. See, nothing, nothing can be built out of an explosion. If I was to put a bomb here, and, and very soon we're going to paint this for the council, uh, just as an advertisement, we do some painting. and got to, No, okay. one of them is not here today. I wonder where he is. Anyway, but <laughs> we paint this, right? But if I was to come in here and set off a bomb and come back and say, finished, we painted, would that work? But God says everything reproduces after its own kind. So God puts everything into existence. But God births everything out of him. Everything from him, through him, and in him comes out of him. That's why he's our father. He's the one that birthed everything into existence. And his name is above every name. Hallowed be your name. So we're going to touch on a few. We're just saying songs. We've been singing songs lately about some of the names of God. So I want to touch on it. And then I want to bring it to Jesus. I want to show you that these aren't Old Testament names. These aren't the name of God. So when he comes in to sign in at the RSL Club, he doesn't sign Adonai. He doesn't sign Yahweh. The names of God here are, the, they, they reveal his character. Now, for the sake of time, we can't go through every name because there's so many. But we'll talk about the main points. But every time something happens in the Old Testament, if you go back and look, God reveals a nature of character from a name and I'll try and explain it to you but I want to, all these names come into to fulfillment or culmination when Jesus comes on this earth and I'm going to show you this picture you excited so when we sing songs Yahweh Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Rapha what does that mean to anyone I used to hate the word Jehovah because I think I still, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness <laughs> and you know we can get put off by names because other people have either misused them or used them in a wrong way or they so we're not, but God, Jehovah, Yahweh, we're going to talk about that, amen? And we're going to see what it all means, God revealing himself. Because you've got to remember, when he told Abraham, leave your family, he left. And then he starts to reveal his nature and character to Abraham. Did you know that names are so important that God changed your name? Abraham, who, who, who knows what Abraham's name was before it was Abraham. Abram, 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 Adam, he wants to say Abraham, but no, he's not, he's not, he's not from your village, all right, so Abraham, his name was really was Abraham, there was no ham at the end, which means the exalted father, and God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son, and you're going to be the father of many, and changed his name and added to ham, so Abraham means the father of many, or the multitude, he changed Jacob's name, his grandson, to, from Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver, to Israel, which means the prince of God or who wrestles with God. He didn't change Isaac's name because Isaac, he named him, which means to rejoice. It's interesting. You go through the whole Bible, even Peter says, we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
See, God changes their name. Even, even just on a small note, if you want to understand that, the mountain of transfiguration. Who did Jesus take with him? Peter. James and John. All right, Peter. Simon changed his name to Peter. James is actually Jacob or Jacob. All right, James is our literal translation. And then you've got John. Peter, the rock, so represents the, the law. Jacob represents the struggle with God or to supplant, you know, to try and wrestle and find out. It's the cross between. And John in, in the Hebrew is Johanna. Hanna meaning grace. That God would take the law that's written on stone, Peter, and wrestle with God to give us grace. That's why the three were there. Who was on the mountain of transfiguration? Elijah, the, the prophets of the Old Testament, Moses, the law. And who was standing there? Jesus. And they're wrestling to see what's going on here. And he says, I'm going to move you from the law to grace that's a prophetic picture right there john the baptist name is john wasn't a trick question <laughs> but john's father was ministering in the temple angel appears says your wife will have a baby because she's old zip it muted him zachariah he says you'll call him you're going to have a son and He's going to be leading the way. He won't be the light, but he'll be a voice crying out in the wilderness, and his name will be John. When he was born, his son, he's opened his mouth, he started prophesying, he's not, you're going to call him John. And the family say, John, Johanna, we don't have anyone from that family. The word Johanna means the gracious one. John means grace, or God's graciousness. Isn't it interesting that God would send John graciousness, God's graciousness to lead away for the one who's going to bring us grace? You can't make this stuff up. So let's have a look. Let's have a bit of a... Have you got them, AJ? Let's start with um, whatever you want. Yahweh. The word Yahweh. The Jews would be so scared to spell that, they would abbreviate it like YHWA. We call it Jehovah because there's no J in the Hebrew language. It's uh, Latin, comes from the Latin, it's uh, the Greek and the Latin, there we get J. Just like Jesus is Yeshua, just like Joshua, you know, it's the Y. And it says, I am the existing one. And Genesis 1, Genesis 2, 4, these are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were all created. In that day, the Lord, God made the heavens and the earth. That's Yahweh, created all things. All things are through him. We can go to John. What does John say about Jesus. All things were created through him. There is nothing that was created, that has been created, that wasn't through him. And in him was life, and the life was the light of man. Yahweh. This is probably the most common, one of the most common names of God in the Bible. Jehovah. Then you've got the next one. Can we go to um, Elohim? Elohim, supreme God, strong one. In Genesis 1.1, this is where you got, in the beginning God created the heavens and earth, Elohim. El meaning, the word El meaning almighty. The him is a plural. It looks like we put S on the something at the end of something. You can say, I believe in God, or I can believe in gods. You put the S to make it plural. That's talking about a singular God, a supreme God, but it can work as a plural. In other words, there's Elohim meaning more than one. See how it's got plural? And we'll talk about that in a minute. When people argue that, how can God be three in one? I'm one in three. Elohim 
created this. Elohim created that. There's an aspect of God that he is the supreme being. He is the almighty one. He is the all-knowing, all-seeing. Can be everywhere at once. Can know all things. There's nothing. There's no thought that's ever been thought that he hasn't thought. And any thought that he thinks comes to existence. He can speak the word and it can come to pass. Elohim said, let there be light. The light was spoken. The Logos word. Jesus is the Logos word. The Bible says the word that became flesh and dwell among us. And then the Holy Spirit manifested the light. Elohim. So when we start singing these songs, now I'm going to start putting this into context for you in Scripture. So when you start seeing Jesus preaching and you say, that's Elohim, that's Jehovah Rara, that's, that's Yahweh, you'll start to understand that these aren't just names from the Old Testament. These are the fullness of Jesus Christ in his person. He brought it down to earth, amen? Hallelujah. Let's go to the next one, Adonai. The Lord Master or the Lord God. The Psalm 135.5 says, For I know that the Lord is great and that our Lord is above all gods. Lordship, if you go to a, a medieval days and the king, you call him my Lord. Yes, my Lord. Amen's the master of that, you know. The Lordship owns everything. You're submitted to the Lord of that town, of that city, of that country. Uh, here, Adonai. We're going to look at this. Can we go to Psalm? Can we go to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4? Sorry, I probably haven't given you this one. Give him a chance. I want to read this to you to show you that God, we might read things in the English, but how he said it in the original text so you can get an understanding of who God is. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise, and I'll get to the, the best parts. All right, I know that everyone looks half asleep. Good? Oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and the Lord is one. You see this here? That, oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and the Lord is one. Sometimes we see in Genesis, he says, God created, in English. Then after he created all things and it was good, then he says, the Lord God. In English, I think, well, that means the same thing, doesn't it? God and the Lord God, isn't it just... But it's not, it's referring to different characteristics of God. Here he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In the Hebrew it says it this way. Shama Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. Which means, he goes, if you have a look at it in this context, he goes, Shmeh. It must be from my mom's village. Shmeh Israel Adonai. Adonai is the Lord, yeah? And then you got Elohim is God. And then it says Adonai Echad. Echad means one. It's saying that the Lord our God is one. Oh, Israel, listen, that your God, the Lord God, Adonai Ishmael is one. But it's the same word. That one here is Akkad. Akkad is the same word used when uh, God says to, and Jesus says it in the New Testament, that a man should leave his mother and father and become one with his wife. How can two become one? It's Akkad. That means the God our Father is one, but he's in many. He's plural. That's where we get Elohim, the Trinity. That's why God can be one and he can be three persons at one. When Genesis 1 talks about Elohim, it talks about God created the heavens and the earth. But guess who spoke the word? God. What is the word? Jesus, the Son. you got Elohim, the God, the Father, and the Word, the Son. Who made the, the light come into existence? The Holy Spirit. There's your Trinity, right? Do you understand that? Because the same word for one here, Elkad, is the same word used for Genesis chapter 1. So how can two become one? What's the, what's the teaching us? The Bible says that if you abide in me, I abide in you, and my Father and I will come and 
live in with you, we become one with the Father. But there's three of us. Does that make sense? It's interesting, when I looked at that, I went, man, that blew me away. Because I'm looking at that, and that's, that's Hebrew. I don't speak Hebrew, so I don't think I can speak Hebrew. But some of these words look, sound the same in Arabic. They're just written a little bit different. Listen, O Israel, Adonai, Creator God, the Lord God is one. A card. When Jesus came and said, me and the Father, or the Father and I, that's not even good English, sorry. The Father and I are one. That's why they wanted to stone him. I can't, I, I, get, I can't get over people when they say, Jesus never said anywhere he was God. They wanted to kill him because he claimed to be like God. He came to forgive sin like God. How did they get that? He was standing before the Jewish council saying, I am before Abraham. I'm Elohim. Imagine their faces. They want to kill him. This is interesting stuff. El Shaddai. The next one. God Almighty. Genesis chapter 71. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. God called Abraham out of a demonic culture. You don't understand that. The culture Abraham was in was sacrificing children for the gods of the pagans. You look it up, the Chaldeans, sorry you Assyrians, it's not the same Chaldeans that you come from now. It was purely demonic. Go back and have a look at the search. So when he said, kill your son, your one and only son, okay. It's familiar with him. That's what their culture was doing. And he says, I'm the almighty God. And here in Genesis 1, he's telling Abraham, come, follow me and be blameless in my sight. Then he starts to put promises in Abraham. You're going to be the father of many. Look at the stars. Can you count them? Look at the sand on the seashore, the sand on the world. Can you count them? Can you count them? Because if you can, that's as many as your descendants will be. He's going, wow, I'm 99. Still haven't had a kid. But what was he saying? Is from your seeds, the nation will be blessed. From your seed. You know, Abraham, he made a promise to Abraham. You have to understand when they say we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Who brought the law? Who did God give the Ten Commandments and the law to? Who was he before or after Abraham? After. So what covenant did he make with Abraham then? If the Ten Commandments is what we're meant to follow, and it's a law that's been written on our hearts now, so don't misunderstand me, and the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, and the dietary law, and the ceremonial law, if all that is that important to make it to heaven, then that was, Moses was after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what, did he, what covenant did he make with Abraham? Everyone's looking at me like a cow at a new gate. He believed God and it was what? Accounted to him or credited him as righteous. And he was called a? So what was the promise he made? Come on, we should know this, church. I'm leaving. I've had enough of this. We're known as? Abraham is the father of? Faith. Abraham believed God by faith that one day that from his lineage, his seed, the Messiah would be born. And when the Messiah would be born, he would fulfill the mandate of the law and the prophets and go to the cross and died. And when he rose again, he would conquer death and give everyone new life. Are you with me? How do you save people? By grace through 
Through faith. Abraham was the father of faith. He made a covenant. Because when the Bible says when Jesus fulfilled what? He fulfilled the law and he had the promise of Abraham fulfilled. We've been grafted into Abraham's faith. Abraham believed God. There was no Ten Commandments to keep. There was nothing to do other than, do you believe me, Abraham? Paul says it this way. Abraham believed the gospel in advance. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. So it was put on an account, but he could not claim that account until Jesus went to the cross. In other words, the fulfillment of faith was through Abraham. And then it, God started the plan of salvation through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Isaac was a type and shadow of Jesus. Why? Abraham, this is the one, your only son, your beloved son. Kill him. What did God do? Killed his one and only begotten son. But hang on. Abraham had a son named Ishmael from the flesh. He can't be his one and only son. He didn't recognize him as his promised son. He, pro he recognized Ishmael as a son from his loins, but that was from the work of the flesh. But when I give you a promise, it's from the spirit. Was Adam the work of the flesh? God created Adam. What happened to him? He sinned, the first son. But where does the promise come from? The second son, Jesus Christ. He is the son of promise. Can you see all that coming to picture? And now Abraham... Now, we call him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Abraham now is told to sacrifice his son. So he goes up there the very next morning. Isn't it interesting? God says, I want your son. He's gone. I'm a, I'm, we didn't think we were going to have one. So I tried to help you out. And then 12 years later, you said, I mean, that's not the right one. And now you give me your son. Now you want to kill him? The very next morning, he takes him up to the mountain. What is the son doing? Everyone thinks he's a baby. No, he's carrying wood, the Bible says. He's walking, carrying wood. He's walking up to a mountaintop. And he says to his son, he says to the servants, there was two servants, his son and Abraham. He's walking up the mountain and he says, you two wait here, we'll be back. And I'm thinking, when I read that once, when I first got saved, I go, you're not, you're not coming back. He goes, we'll be back. But hang on, he's going to kill him. He goes up a mountain. Isaac is the son of promise, yeah? He's a beloved son came from a supernatural event. He's got wood on him, walking up a mountain, going to where? <laughs> Come on, boy. He's just not excited people today. I'm very excited. I've preached this a thousand times. It was a type and shadow of Jesus. The father leads the son to the altar on top of a mountain. The mountain is Calvary. The son's walking with the, with the wood on him. Speaks of Jesus carrying a cross. He puts him on an altar. He's about to kill him. And he says... He puts the knife to him. Who killed Jesus? We know physically who killed him. The Jews put him on the cross. The Romans whipped him and put him on the cross. The Jews sent him to be killed. But the Bible says in Isaiah 53, who struck Jesus? The Father. It pleased God that he be stricken and smitten and afflicted for our sake. Because he took on the sin of man. So Christ was the one that has to exert punishment for a sin. Abraham's taking his son to the, put him on an altar. He's about to kill him. And all of a sudden he goes, Abraham! And, he had to, and the Bible says he calls him twice, like he was going to do it. Now whether he called him twice, because I don't think God stutters, but I think he just, it's, it's a figure of speech. He got Abraham! <laughs> just thought I'll see if that worked. But that's what he did. To get his attention. He's about to kill the kid. Because that's the boy. Look in the, there's a ram's head caught in the bush. Before he was about to kill him, he hung there. Uh, what are you doing? 
we're yours. Some believe he was 15. Some believe he was older. Some actually believe he was 30. There's a picture of Christ 30 years old on the cross. He puts him on an altar and he goes, where's the sacrifice? He's got the wood. He's got the fire. He's got the knife. He goes, God will provide. Can we go to El, El, El um, Jehovah Jireh? I want to show you something here. In Genesis 22, it says, And Abraham lifted up his eyes with the knife, and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thickets, or the, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in this, in, instead of his son. And Abraham called that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be seen. What does Jehovah Jireh mean? The, word, the words came out of God's, uh, Abraham's mouth. He says, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. If we read it in our English, we'll say, where's the sacrifice that God will provide? We just, but he calls Jehovah Jireh. In other words, Yahweh Jireh, Yahweh, the one that will give you all things. What does the Bible say? Bible, he'll give us all things according to his riches and glory. That God is our provider. Amen? So you have a look at here. Abraham is about to kill his son. Now look at these people. Listen to me. The ram's head is caught where? Caught in the thickets or in the thorns. The ram's head's got horns. The horn speaks of um, authority and the headship. Where was the, heads, where was the ram's head? Where was the sacrifice's head caught? Where? In the thorns. What did they do to Jesus? They put thorns on his head. God will provide a sacrifice. Just like that was a prophetic picture of the cross, people. That was a prophetic picture that one day, Abraham, you can sacrifice your son, but there's no benefit to anyone. But when I send my son, the world will be blessed. That ram is a lamb. His head was caught in the thorns. Speaks of that Jesus would be crucified one day. They'll put thorns on his head. Because the Bible says that the thorns are from the curse of the ground. And he says, Jehovah Jireh, which means God will provide. He actually said it to his son. He's about to kill him. He says, God will provide a sacrifice. Can you see the pictures of the names of God now? Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15, 26. He said, if you diligently heed my voice of the Lord your God. Now, you could argue the Lord your God is Adonai Elohim. Expert Hebrew now. And do what is right in his sight. Give an ear to the commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought onto the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Now, if I was to go back to the New Testament... And, and let's go through every parable that Jesus taught. Or not even the parables. Let's go to every miracle that Jesus did, any teachings that Jesus did. And you do, instead of saying, I'm the one that heals, I'm the one that forgives, I'm the one that does this, and put all these other names in there, you would see a picture of the Old Testament names of the God's character and nature. You see God in his name. See, the question is you have to ask yourself. We just went through Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, Adonai, El Shaddai, Jehovah Rapha, God who heals. Jehovah Jireh who provides. And it's interesting to know that if you understand that Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he says, there is no other name under heaven you should call on to be saved. No other name under heaven.
But see, it's not just the name that brings you salvation. Because the sons of Sceva tried to cast out demons and said, we cast you out in the name of Jesus, the one that Paul preaches. <laughs> and they got bashed up, stripped naked, and they ran down the street naked. Read it. It's Bible, not R-rated. You've got to understand that when God gives us his name, see, he's, he's, he's not giving you a name, just a name for the name's sake. So people can use the name of Jesus and not get healed. People can use the name of Jesus as a curse word. But the name is the authority in that name. The name of Jesus is above every name. He's a name above every name. See, Jesus encompasses the whole Old Testament names of Jesus. The Prince of Peace, the author of life. And we've got to understand that we go by his name. I said to you, if you don't have an identity in Christ yet, guess what? If you haven't understood and made a, made a decision to follow Christ and, and, and to be identified with him, guess what? The devil will make your identity for you. And you'll go by a different name. The Bible says that don't rejoice that you cast out demons. He says rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You know what that's actually saying? I don't believe, I used to believe this, but I don't believe that there's an angel in heaven walking around. Yes. Got his name. Yes. I'm sorry, you haven't got a seat here. You didn't pay your RSVP. He says, rejoice that your name's in the Lamb's book of life. What does that actually mean? Go back to the original. He says, make sure, rejoice that you're in the family tree, the lineage of God, the, the tree of life. Make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life in the sense that, are you, is God your father? Is Jesus your savior are you accounted to him if we were to die now would he say abraham isaac jacob blah, 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 jesus tony dorian matthew are you in his family lineage you can say it this way are you in his family tree because you go back to adam adam had a son named seth and he lived 900 years and died seth had a son named bruce and i you know enosh i can't remember all right take it easy and he died. And you see all the genealogy of Adam, and he died. But when God does the genealogy of Jesus through Abraham, he gets Abraham had a son named Isaac, who, had a, who begot a son named Jacob, who begot a son named, and he goes to Judah, and he goes through all, well, he doesn't say they died anymore. We know they physically died, but God doesn't see them dead. Because he says, I'm the God of the living, not the God of the dead. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They lived in God, in Christ, until the promise of Jesus came. You're in the lineage of God. You're in his family tree if you obey his word and keep his commandments. Well, the commandments I'm not talking about is don't steal, don't drink. That's, that should be written on your heart. The commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. These two sum up the whole law. Let's go to the book of Acts because I'm running out of time. Book of Acts. I want to share this. Let's go to Acts 14. I might just summarize this quickly. I want you, I want you to see something. It's very powerful. Acts 4.12. Jesus, Peter is preaching. And he says, there is, no, there is salvation in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Can someone please misunderstand that scripture for me? Can someone please do your best to try and make that say something that's not saying? Can, can that be any clearer? Can it be any clearer? Could, it, could, we, could we argue about that in any way? Look, is there something there that 
that we could look at and say, but, no, there's no but. Nor is there salvation in any other, which means any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. But you have to understand what happened here. This is after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell. And Peter gets up, who was just absolutely petrified of the Jews five minutes ago. Then the Holy Spirit fell on them on the 120 in the upper room. They broke out in tongues of fire, and they started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And he gets out, and they go, they're drunk. They're gone mad. And he gets up, it's not, we're not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. But this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel. And he talks about the book of Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit on men and women. Young men receive visions, old men who dream dreams. And then he comes up and he says, and he, he preaches his sermon and he smashes them and he convicts them. Because they, you know what they say after that? They, they were cut to heart, these religious Jews from all around the world. Their hearts were broken. He says, what must we do? He says, repent and be baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But you to understand what led up to this. See, Peter and John before this incident were walking down and there was a, a man who was begging. You know the story. He walks up and says, you know, he's begging for, for money at the gate, in the entry of the city. Peter looks at him and says, gold and silver I do not have. But what I do have, I'll give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he picked him up and he walked. He was born paralytic, uh, paraplegic from birth. He says, gold and silver I do not have. But what do I do have? He wanted money. He was a beggar. He can't work. It always interests me that that guy was born like that. So he must, someone must be picking him up and putting him there every day. And Jesus would have walked past that gate a thousand times. I said, Lord, why didn't you heal him? He was there at least once in your lifetime. And you know what the Lord said? Nothing. I don't know what the answer is. But, but I do know he was there every day. But I do believe that some things God has left for us to do. See, you're his hands and you're his feet on this earth. See, sometimes there's people you're going to reach that God's left them for you. See, there might be someone in this church coming day and night and day and night and go from church to church and they've heard it all. It might be just that one, one encounter in the car park that might get them saved. You go, man, that guy's been going to church all his life, but he just got a revelation now. See, you don't know the hearts of people. See, that man was there asking for just to survive. Give me just a dollar. And look what he says. Gold and silver I do not have. He didn't ask for gold and silver, people. He only asked for a penny, a, sh a nickel, a, a shackle, or a silver coin, or a denarii, or a lira. There's no point in lira now. It's not worth nothing. But you know what I mean. <laughs> he says, gold and silver I do not have. Oh, you're going to the high extreme, Peter. But what does gold represent in the, in the Old Testament? Divinity. Gold doesn't rust. Moths can't get to it. When God made the Ark of the Covenant... He made it out of timber and he says, now paint it with gold. Gold speaks of divinity. Okay? Silver speaks of grace, redemption. If you look in the Old Testament, silver speaks of redemption. He says, gold and silver I do not have. You know what he was saying to him? You need money, and you need, but you need more than that. You know what he's saying? Gold I do not have. I'm not divine. And silver, I can't give you redemption, but I do know one who's divine. I do know one who can give you redemption, salvation. His name is Jesus. Now get up and walk, because with salvation comes healing. If you're sick in your body, you can be healed. Argue with me. I'll fight you. Look at this. 
I want you to see this. Now, look, I want to show you this. Now, I think it's Acts chapter, Peter saw it. it was... Now, he, the, boy, the man gets up and walks. Let's go to Acts chapter 3, verse 12, please. What time is it? Yeah, we've, got, we've got time. Are you getting any of this? Is this making any sense? Are we going to read things for the sake of reading? Quote a scripture for the sake of quoting a scripture. Send a text because we send a text and send a. I've got to, I've got to, I read the devotionals every day. What does it mean? I don't know. I just read it. We need to understand what in context God is trying to do. His word is living and breathing. He wants to live and breathe in you through his word. The Holy Spirit doesn't go outside his word. Don't come up here for prayer anymore asking for the Holy Spirit if the word's not in you. He only lands upon his word. The only way the Holy Spirit can land on this earth and stay on the earth is when the word stepped out, out of the water. When the word said, I'm coming to be the word. You're a word from the word. My word won't return void. What did the rap say the other night? My words won't return void. So you were born again by what? The word. You were born not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, by the Word of God. The Word of God lives in you. Christ lives in you. And the Word will not return void. Because whatever He places in you, He's going to bring it to pass if you're obedient to Him. But no matter, you can make it 40 years around the desert or you can go in there in three days like Joshua. It's up to you. God is interested in you to come back to Him through the Word. Come on. His Word doesn't return void. What we think is, I said the Word, that's it, it's going to return void. And it's true. But you are the word in the word does that make sense when he speaks the word of god in you when you speak to a little child and say he's dumb all his life what's he up to become dumb rebellious but you speak life and liberty why because the word has power amen jesus like rab said what did the what did he say to the devil when he got tempted i'm the word. don't you remember i flicked you out of heaven no, he said, it is written. But the word is powerless unless you believe it. It's by faith. It's attached to faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go through this one quick. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you, have, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently as if though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Don't ever take credit don't ever take credit for what God's doing. It's not about you. In anything, do not take the credit. God does not share his glory. We don't, he, he will always impart and walk with us. But that, it's not about you. The God, here we go. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and Denied him, in, uh, deny, uh, denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. And killed the Prince of Life. Here we go, Elohim, Adonai. Elohim, um, yeah, Elo Elohim. Whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. And his name, here we go. You ready? And his name, through faith in... So he was saying here, the guy was healed. I'm going to tell you how he's healed. It wasn't through us, and it wasn't through what we did. It was not our holiness and godliness, but it is through this. This is how he got healed. Ready? Because the God of Abraham, 
who I made a covenant with before the foundation of the world that Jesus would come from his line. Isaac, his son, the beloved, and Jacob, who set up the tribes of Israel that became the nation of Israel, where we get his son Judah. And Judah, he, he became a tribe. And Jesus came from the lineage of David, who was born in Bethlehem, who came from the line of Judah. So if God doesn't protect his people, Jesus doesn't come through the lineage. Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah, who was born in Bethlehem. Can you see the picture now? That's why he said he's the God of Abraham. He's God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. And look what he says. He says, and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes from him has given him the perfect soundness in his presence of you all. Next verse. Did I give you the next verse? No, that's it. Yeah? That's it. And his name, through faith, what was the promise to Abraham? Faith. What is our promise now? In what? In what? In Jesus what? What did Jesus do? What's our faith in? Come on. If you can't roll it off your tongue, I've got to be wondering, I wonder if you're actually going to heaven. How do you get to heaven? In what? What did Jesus do? Faith in the finished work of the cross. I can have faith in Jesus, the one that was born in a manger, every Christmas who put him in a manger. But that Jesus in the manger doesn't save me. The Jesus that healed the leper doesn't save me. The Jesus that, it's the Jesus that hung on the cross that saves me. But not only hung on the cross, he rose again. It's through faith in his name. Because his name is above every name. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to challenge you. That you gotta, it's got to roll off your tongue. Someone said, how do you get to heaven? Through the blood of Jesus. There's no other way but through the blood of Jesus. My faith is in the blood of Jesus. Not in my good deeds. Not in your good deeds. Not how much your grandfather did. Or how, no, it's through the faith in the finished work of the cross. That's my faith. And that's the name is above every name. You have to understand this. Elohim, Adonai. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He glorified your servant, his servant, Jesus, in who you delivered and denied in the presence of Pilate, which he was ready to let him go. But it was God's perfect will that he would go to the cross. And we can go through the other names if you want. Can you understand that? He says now that there's a name above every name. The Bible says that every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord every knee you're either going to bow now or you bow in eternity but you're going to bow you're going to bow now to his lordship alright listen to me you're either going to bow now or you're going to bow on the last minute of your deathbed or you're going to bow when you go and go to hell but see if you bow now you become part of his family lineage the Lamb's Book of Life. If you bow later, you spend eternity for hell because you're still going to bow. Because his name, the greatest name of all, is above every name. The name of Jesus, amen? Yeshua. And in closing, there's so many names I could go. It's just so exciting. But you need to understand that Jesus came to fulfill. His, the Bible says the fullness of God dwelt in him 
And he didn't account it robbery to be recognized as God. Even though he's limited in the earthly suit, he was limited in human form, yeah? Couldn't be everywhere at once. He had to sleep. He had to eat. He was limited in that form. But the fullness of God dwelt in him. The fullness of God dwelt in him. Everything he speaks, if you go through everything he said, you can see all of God's attributes through Jesus. He forgave sin. He healed the sick. He, he changed the weather. He, he multiplied the, the fish and the loaves. He turned water into wine. And he conquered death and rose from the dead. This is the God of Almighty. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the man God that walked on the earth with us. Jesus was, he, he would weep about Lazarus. He was actually weeping about their lack of faith. But he, that's the son of man. But the son of God rose Lazarus from the dead. See, the son of man got hungry and thirsty but he multiplied the fish and the loaves. Son of man was in a boat sleeping, ready to be tipped over, but the son of God stopped the waves. Can you see the picture here? The God man. And in closing, I just want to close, I just feel left in my heart to share this with you. We want to sing that song or play that song. Can you do it for me, AJ? No? Yeah? Because I want to, in your seats, I just want you if you, if you girls, can you come up? Just sing the chorus for me. I feel led by the Holy Spirit here, and, and I was in the car, I feel like the Holy Spirit. You need to get a hold of what's going on in the spirit realm right now. Because if you're coming here for a Sunday special, just to tick a box, we love you, keep coming, but it ain't going to change your life. But when you understand what name you carry, see, God's not ashamed See, he gives us the word. Jesus is the word. The Bible says that he exalts his word above his name. That's another message in itself. He exalts his word, Christ, above his name. If you read it in context, you know what he was saying? My name is pure and holy and you should bow, but I'm willing to give it to you and I'll exalt my word above my name. See, the word, the, the words of God framed the world into existence. Jesus is in the garden praying. I feel the presence of the Lord here right now. Whenever you're ready. He's in the garden praying. Read it in John. And they come, the soldiers, legions of them. They go, who do you seek? He says, Jesus is Nazareth. He says, I am. And guess what happened? They all fell over. The great I am spoke. It was like now, you're going to take me in because I'm allowing you. See, you're going to take me in and put me and trial me as an as a unrighteous man. But I'm going to allow you. See, see, he says, I am. And they all fell. Why didn't he just walk off? Why didn't he just stay there and just walk off? Read it in John. I said, Lord, you said, I, I get it. You're the great I am. And, and, and listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. When God said to, to Moses, I am. When God said to Abraham, I'm the Almighty One. 
And you go through the list. He was, this is God speaking. But this is God Almighty coming down to our level, okay, to get a hold of us. Because He was that interested in you and me that He goes, I have to reduce myself to come to you. But I'm not going to stay with you because I'm going to take you up to my level. In other words, when Jesus said, who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth, He goes, I am. And they, bang, they all fell on the ground. He was saying, God Almighty in him said, I am. I always will be. And they all fell on the ground. You know what that was saying? That he's still in control when everyone thought he'd lost control. When they, the disciples thought, we saw you walk on water, man. Oh, I, I, sometimes I picture Judas. How dumb can you get and breathe Judas? Like you saw him walk on water. You saw him raise the dead. You saw him multiply the food. You saw him heal the sick multiple times. He, he raised the dead more than once. And you reckon that Judas was like, man, I'm going to give him up for a third piece of silver, but he's going to get away because he's God. Like, you think he's that deceived? Because the Bible does say that when he dipped his bread, he said, whoever takes his bread is the one that's going to betray me. And the Bible says that Satan entered Judas' heart. There's only two places in the whole Bible you ever hear Satan entering anybody. Judas and the Antichrist that's coming entered his heart and he betrays Jesus he's I am and they all fall he says Peter don't chop the God's ear off he wasn't going for his ear he was trying to chop his head off he says don't you know I can call 12 legions of angels I think a legion is a thousand a thousand something like that huh 12,000 angels can come one angel killed 30,000 men in the Old Testament he can call 12,000 he goes but this is what I've come to do the great I am. Can I say it this way? If you, if you hear my heart, this is me, hear my heart, hear my heart. Christ had to die. Yeah, to forgive us from our sin. Yeah, that we are sinners. He had to cry. The Bible says the Son of Man was crucified. And I said this last week, and the Lord was on my case all week. And I don't know if you got this. If Christ doesn't die and be buried and sowed into the ground, he can never rise again so he could be multiplied. Your life in Christ isn't just to survive, just to get by. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm happy that He loves me. He saved me. Your life has got so much more value to Christ, not just to tread water and just to make it. Your life is so much valuable to God. He's going to give you back more than you've lost. The enemy has robbed some people in here, and we've accepted it as God. That well, that's just, that's just my lot of life, and you know, it's God's will. No, it's not God's will. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But what did Jesus say? I came to leave it, let him do it. Oh, God, no. Sorry, man. God, no. Can't help you. He says, but I come to give you life. And that life in abundance, in overflow. That's what he came to do. Great Adonai, the great El Shaddai, Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Jireh. That's only like five or six things. There's so many more that, that that show his character. And I love this thing. I love this thing. I think, you know, God, you, why do you reveal yourself through certain men and certain people? And, and, and I often think that Abraham, you're going to be the father of many. 
and God says, this is my Father in heaven and my Father provides all your needs. According. Look at my Father. Even the sparrows, they don't worry about what they eat or what they drink. They don't sow and they don't reap. Look at the lilies of the field because my Father looks after them and how much more valuable are you? And it's interesting that the first time that El Sh Jehovah Jireh came out of someone's mouth ever in history was Abraham, who is the father of many. What was he saying that? Abraham, you're a type and shadow of the Father in heaven that from your lineage, that the, the nations will be blessed. You'll be a father to many. You're a father of faith. You stand firm. You stand strong. You're the you believe God before. You believe God when no one else wanted you to believe. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteous. And he was called a friend of God. And he says, God will provide for my son. And you know what the Holy Spirit's saying now? God is your provider. God will provide you what you need according to his riches and glory. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about anxiety has to leave people right now in Jesus' name. He provides life and liberty. He sonship, daughtership. He'll provide you everything you need to pertaining to life if you understand who he is. Because God's a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. I'm going to sing this chorus one more time. I feel led to pray. But I want you to stay in your seats. No one come out, please. The Lord is our provider. The Lord is our healer. We 